Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast that has no tagline. And I've been listening to a lot of old You're Wrong Abouts, and they, at the beginning, used to do exactly the same thing that I do at the beginning of this podcast. And so I don't feel that bad about it. Although they did get better, and we were kind of the opposite. Whatever. I'm Jordan Yeah, Coleman they have a... <laughs> uh, With me is my co host, Caragail O'Regan. Hi. On You're Wrong About, they actually come up with a new one. Literally every episode. They do? I guess I stopped paying attention when they actually started, like, saying a tagline. Yeah. And, like, I, f- I feel like they stopped talking about it as much and they just started doing it. Yeah, maybe. But they, it, it's always a good one. <laughs> well, it wasn't in the beginning because that's where I am now. Or rather, like, they're they're not bad, but they're not saying them with any confidence. Yeah. Um, and then the other person always goes, no, I think that was good. <laughs> um well everyone after you're done listening to this go listen to you're wrong about because it's the best podcast in the whole world and it's it is it's so good it's truly the thing that got me through this road trip that i was just doing it was like having friends with me all the time that's nice um, so welcome to music. I don't even want to say music month. I feel like this is going to go on for longer than two episodes. <laughs> Do you agree? Oh, I, I have no idea. I'm just rolling with it, seeing where I mean, it takes us. I feel like what we're about to do today should be roughly three episodes, um, <laughs> but we're going to try to fit it all in. Um... So, we haven't done any music in yet, right, at all? No, but we've talked about it at length, like we have. off mic, about the possibility of doing some music episodes, but we just didn't know how to approach it. And we still don't really know, but nope. what we decided um, is that we'd start with, so Karen and I have each made... We've made three playlists between the two of us. Um, One playlist, the rules were you pick five songs that meant something to you between the ages of very small and 18 years old. So we've narrowed that down to five songs each. It's a 10-song playlist. Did I describe it correctly, Kara? Yes. So, but then... That was hard, and so there was. We each made overflow playlists. Is really what happened. Um, Yours is like a reasonable length. Mine has over two hundred songs. Well, you put like entire albums on it. I was like terrified when I opened yours. (laughs) There was a lot that were you know. I could have done what you did like very easily, but I on purpose kind of made myself choose maximum three songs from each Mm -mm. artist. And even when I did that, I tried to make them from different albums, like at least two different albums. Yeah. If I'd had more time, I would have gone back and like called it a bit because it's hard. Like, which one do you pick? I don't know. They're all so important. Well, I'm sure we'll end up talking about that because the like I picked the one even at my top five, the songs that I picked were for very specific reasons. But I could have picked, you know, like the whole album. Yeah. So I feel like I know I want to say mine in chronological order. 
Okay. I feel that tells the story the best, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I need to say them all in a row. Do you want to do like we did with the 10-year review where we alternate? One for her and one for her. One for her and one for her. Back to Which, the beginning. Uh, yeah, for newer listeners, that was a potential name of a proto version of this podcast because we wanted to do two different podcasts (laughs) but we wanted to do it together it was a it was a sandra bullock podcast and this Mm -hmm. podcast Mm -hmm. and then we were just like let's just do the one um before we start i want you to know that i had a very strong desire to drink wine during this podcast which like (laughs) I don't, I haven't been drinking at all because I'm like training a lot and I feel like drinking is like the first thing that like destroys you and not like, Mm -hmm. like I don't need to drink, like it's fine. (laughs) Um, But for some reason, like for this episode specifically, I was like, I need a bottle of wine for this. Like, (laughs) well, lots of feelings I feel. I, and I, I always think that like, I don't care that much about music but that's extremely not true. It's yeah. just that I, I, I haven't listened to all that much new music since like the year 2007. I mean, yeah. there's been some. Um, I mean, thank God for like Spotify. Otherwise, yeah. I, I would truly be just trapped in amber forever. Well, one of the, like, an ongoing fight that I'm having with my mother. No, I mean, she won it eventually, I guess. But, like, she, until very recently, she was still storing some of my things. And, like, I had a box, like a, not a huge box, but a whole box of CDs and, like, a whole giant bag of CDs. And she was, like, for some reason, like, the thing that she was really, like, she had more than just that of my stuff, and she was like, you need to go through those, and I was like, I'm not going through those, I'm keeping all of them forever, and she's like, no, go through, it was like, I don't know why that was the thing we fought about, like, so much, and then finally, a few years ago, she was like, I'm not keeping any of this, please take it, and so now I have all my stuff, but it's, like, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of having the same fight with myself, where I'm like, you haven't touched those in 15 years, and I'm like, (laughs) no, I can't get rid of them. Yeah. So I still have all my CDs, but nothing to listen to them on because my car is a tape deck. Um, All of my, I don't have any CDs. Uh, If I did, they would all be scratched to like beyond. Oh, mine are. Listenability. Yeah. I keep, I keep the best ones in a tote bag, like not in their cases, just like CDs in a tote bag. And I play, I play this game. Where if I know I'm going on a long car ride with somebody who has a CD player, I'll just take the tote bag and reach my hand in and be like, this is what we're listening to. Oh, that's fun. It is really fun. Okay. Do you like the plan? Yeah. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. Uh, Number one on my list uh, is a Beach Boys song off of Pet Sounds, which it really, I could put the entirety of Pet Sounds on this list, but I just wasn't made for these times, which has always resonated with me deeply throughout my life. And sometimes I also get very sad, which is one of the lyrics to the songs. He just sings it over and over again. Sometimes I feel very sad. And uh, I just, it's so good. There's all sorts of weird noises in it. It's the best. 
at okay so like what age do you identify this song with or at least at first Mm, mm, uh, impossible to pin a single age on this because it's my whole life um but I think I started getting into the Beach Boys when I was in like sixth grade so pretty young was it was it because your parents listened to the Beach Boys or did you like find them somehow no I mean they had they had the record so my parents well actually both of our parents are older than other people our age is parents what years were your parents born in 47 and 50 I think okay yeah I'm 49 and 50 yeah so um I grew up with records even though I grew up in the 90s yeah me too (laughs) you know so uh my parents had like a big record player and they had like um like just a small handful of records in like the stereo which were like the original cast recording of Pippin for some reason, a couple Simon and Garfunkel records, which I really, I really uh, agonized over whether to include Simon and Garfunkel on this list. Spoiler alert, I did not. Um, like a couple, be- or I guess just Abbey Road from the Beatles and like a couple other records. And then when I was in middle school, I was like, hey, do more records exist? And it turns out that my parents had boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of records that were just like collecting dust. So that was when I started like exploring them and came across the Beach Boys and fell in love. And it's it's been a lifelong love affair, even though now as an adult, when I actually pay attention to the lyrics, they bum me out a lot for the most part bum you out because of because why oh um they're just you know the way they sing about women is not yeah that's what I assumed but I wanted to confirm yeah um I feel like that I so I didn't know this song that you chose but I when I put it on earlier I it sounded so sad for a Beach Boys song you know I'm familiar with the Beach Boys songs that everybody knows their earlier work yeah so well yeah um, so there's been like various iterations of the Beach Boys, various phases of the Beach Boys. Um, the record that this one is on is Pet Sounds, which it took them like forever to finish because Brian Wilson was having a hard time. Um, and, and this is like one of their darker records. Um, but the thing that I love about the Beach Boys is that like the, they still, it still sounds so happy. <laughs> like, yeah you pay attention to what they're saying and he's just yelling sometimes I feel very sad and I'm into that I like to think of small Kara like digging through boxes of records like that's a really fun (laughs) image yeah in 90s clothes which is anachronistic I guess um but I I know I've already said this multiple times I really 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 love the Beach Boys (laughs) and I had a hard time figuring out like which song to include but I think this is the one that like feels the most like the story of my life you know yeah did you see they made a movie about that guy him the guy from the beach really 
Ryan yeah, Wilson? yeah, they did, didn't they? Paul oh. Dano played him. It was like about oh. his mental illness and troubles and whatever. I don't know anything about him. That's like yeah. I've, now I'm vaguely remembering a Paul Dano situation, so I am talking slowly while I, uh, IMDb this. It's called Love and Mercy. In the 1960s, Beach Boys leader Brian Wilson struggles with emerging psychosis as he attempts to craft his avant-garde pop masterpiece. In the 1980s, he is broken, confused man under the 24-hour watch of a shady therapist. Okay, well, add to watch list. I just, uh, yeah, like, I didn't, until I read about that movie, like, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? With, um, yes, but I couldn't tell you John anything. John C. Riley. Okay, well, he plays a musician in it and, and like goes through many phases over the arc of his career, and he has a Brian Wilson phase where he's like making weird noises and taking forever to record a record. <laughs> like, I will add that um, Pet Sounds is a true, true, like, masterwork. You know, so it's okay that it took a long time. Do you want to say anything else about the Beach Boys before we move on? I saw them a few years ago. Oh, really? I was the youngest person there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Where? Brian Olsen wasn't with them. It's really only like Mike Love and one of the other guys, and then Mike Love's son, <laughs> and like some other guys. Um, I saw them at like the State Theater in Easton, Pennsylvania. My first memory of the Beach Boys is when, because John Stamos played with them. Aruba, Bahama, yeah, and Bahama. so like yeah, they I were think that's on probably my Full first. House, yeah. So like that but, was the first time I re- like saw them anywhere. Yeah, I might have heard them before. Yeah, that was probably my first encounter with the Beach Boys too. Nineties Beach Boys is its own phase, and John Stamos actually toured with them. But that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So the first song that I chose is... I actually switched it out. I'm going to tell you this, what I actually chose first, and then I'm going to tell you what used to be in its place. Um, so I chose the song Not the Doctor, which is from Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album. And I was so excited to see it there because I love this song. This is my favorite Alanis song, I, I think. But it's right. So I didn't know that this was my favorite Alanis song, but the way that I chose every song that I chose, like I knew which albums to go to for every artist. So I would go to the album and then just follow my heart a little bit, like kind of listen to the first few seconds and be like, that's not it. That's not it. And then so that's how I got to all these songs. And like, this is the one. And uh, but I hadn't listened to this song in I, I don't know when I last listened to this album at all. Um and like the song is incredible. I've listened to it's it like so five times today. <laughs> and like I I feel upset with my I cuz I think so like Alanis for me. This album came out in 1994, I think. Yes. Um it was my first tape. My first okay, so the song that, that I re- that used to be in this place was an Ace of Bass song because that was my first tape too. Um, Another one of my first tapes, yes. Um, but then when I thought about 
when I thought about importance, this album was much more important than the Ace of Base album was. Mm. Yeah. Um, and another Full House connection, too. Who? Um, it oh, because is... Dave Coulier? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, the song you ought to know is about Dave Coulier from Full House. He played Uncle... Not Jesse. The not hot I don't one. Think I don't he, remember. I don't think he was an uncle. Oh my god, wait. I really can't no, remember No, he definitely was an uncle. No, Joey. Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey. But he yes. wasn't related to them. Yeah, but he was still like, uncle. his name was on the show was Uncle Joey. Okay, I believe you. Yeah. And he did funny voices and stuff. Because, yeah, they because him and Alana is both Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um... Did you ever watch the show You Can't Do That on Television? Have I asked you that on this podcast before? Yes, you have, I think. It's and I what... don't know the answer. Uh, it was <laughs> but probably so... It was, it was my introduction to sketch comedy, and Alanis Morissette was on it. It was a Canadian show. Um, oh, interesting. And But Nickelodeon used to play it. Like, I don't think they made it. I think it was a Canadian kids show that maybe they picked up. I don't know. It was like yeah. before they had really a lot any of their original shows were like that. programming. Yeah. But also they used to get slimed. Like that's where getting slimed came from, I feel uh. like. It was an incredible show. Like super weird. Like like not not quite Pete and Pete vibes. Like I don't think it was that smart, but it was that weird, I think. Um, I think a few famous people went through it but Alanis Morissette was one of them um so oh okay so what I started to say before was like I I regret that this album came out in 1994 before I could really internalize anything that she was singing about because in 1994 (laughs) I was eight years old but like not the doctor is like she's like dude I am not gonna take care of you like I'm not your mom like I'm not your other half like get your shit together like that's what this song is about and it's incredible and like that was lost on me when I was eight and I didn't listen to this album anymore by the time I needed to hear that message (laughs) um which I think is really unfortunate like I was like in thinking like in looking at my lists like there are no pop songs on any of my lists, like except Hanson. We'll talk about that. Hmm. Eventually. Oh yeah, I guess there's. Well, I don't know. I think. I mean, yeah. I was gonna say but, there's no pop songs on mine either, but there are. But like this, this, like I feel like by the time I needed to hear this message, like the things that she was singing about, it's like I was trying to conform. And listen to pop music because that's what the cool girls did, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't like pop music. Oh, what? No, I do, it? but not like, do you know, like, if we think about the late 90s, like, you got Britney mm-hmm. and Christina and Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, like, I didn't actually really like any of that. Like, I definitely yeah. listened to it, but well, no, we thank cool you. for it. <laughs> I, I was, but, like, I didn't know that I was. And, like, I'm still yeah. trying to hang out with the cool kids, which is, like, yeah. you know, um... And then she came out with, um, what's that other record? Supposed former infatuation junkie with that song, Thank You. Oh, which I, that's a good song. I just reheard it like last year for the first time in a really long time. And it was like, oh, I'm thank you years old now. I get it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I have to I listen to it. I understand what she's saying. 
Thank you, frailty. Thank you, consequence. Thank you, dis disillusionment. Like the the lyrics are are so powerful. I do find like when like I've gone back and listened to Jagged Little Pill, she like her voice gets to me a little bit. It's like a yeah. little bit screechy it's, and whiny. Yeah. Sometimes. But it was it's her. I mean, no one sounds like her. You it's know. It's true. And this song doesn't have that. True. <laughs> I think this song has like some softness and some anger like in equal measure without any of the sound that my ears don't like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thanks Alanis. We didn't know what we had when we had you. That's I mean, so we true. still have her, but you know. She's less angry now too. <laughs> I also here's here's my first memory of Alanis Morissette. I used I used to go to uh, summer camp, and we got picked up in like a van. You know, like the people who lived near you like would get mm -hmm. we'd all get picked up and driven there by a van and then driven home. So I remember being on the van home one day, and um, you ought to know was on the radio, and someone was like, "Oh, like who sings this?" And someone else was like, "I think it's Brandy." So that's my first memory of actually hearing that song. That's so funny. I have a Ace of Base related summer camp memory, which is when I saw the sign was really popular. I got in an argument with one of the other children about whether it was I saw the sign or I saw the sun. And um, I learned to read a little earlier than other kids. So I was like, fuck you. I know how to read. It's I saw the sign, not I saw the sun. And you know, I was right. So, been right my whole life. Yep. Yeah, of course. We're both always right, <laughs> and we always have been. Uh, should I do my next one? Yeah. Okay. Number two on here is Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. So, this is chronologically in like history order, but not necessarily personal history order. I guess I would make that gotcha. caveat. Um, I was always, I always loved Queen, but then when I was in high school, our marching band, um, whenever we would go to competitions or like on trips and stuff, we would break up into like the woodwind bust and the brass and percussion bus and so I was on the brass and percussion bus and I don't know what they were doing on the woodwind bus but on our bus it was tradition to sing a full version of Bohemian Rhapsody acapella like everyone had their own parts and we would do it from start to finish and it's like one of my fondest memories of marching band because I hated it otherwise um and yeah so whenever I hear that song I'm like oh wait have I don't have we talked about you being in marching band before mm, probably not I really hated it what did you play <laughs> Um, in marching band, I played the sousaphone because in concert band, I played the tuba and you can't really walk around with one of those. I so. didn't know that you played the tuba. That's super cool. Also, what's <laughs> a sousaphone? <laughs> a sousaphone is technically a tuba. Um, it's like the same, all the same like length piping, except it's just bent in different ways. So it wraps around your body and you can uh, wear it. Okay. Yes. I Googled it. I have seen that. Mm -hmm. Named for uh, noted racist John Phillips Souza. Great. What 
part did you sing in the song when you sang it on the bus? Oh, I don't even remember. It, it's more like not necessarily that you would like take part of the song and sing that. It, like everyone had their different like vocal ranges, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I don't remember. I mean, I just whatever. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. I love singing with people like as a group, but not for like performance reasons, just for like we're singing Reasons. That's why I like karaoke so much. Mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody is often people's closing song. It'll be like the last song of the night and like everyone yeah. will go up and sing it. Yeah. It's ambitious for karaoke. Well, it, when you have 10 people doing it, it's whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. That is true. One time in college at Ramapo, I had to take a like a public speaking class did you have to take that oh no i did I not why i had to take that um i i don't know if that was maybe part what was your major uh communications okay yeah that makes sense um what was your major well i transferred in as a communication major um with my concentration in media and cinema studies. And then I didn't want to do an unpaid internship because I just like couldn't afford to spend time working that I wouldn't be getting paid for it. So I switched to a contract major, a contemporary arts major, where you could just basically like make it up. Oh. Um, and because I had already had like so many 300 and 400 level classes when I transferred in, I just got to take whatever I wanted my senior year and like took it, took a painting one class, which was a nice walk in the park and made <laughs> everyone else upset because I've been painting my whole life, I'm like a formally trained painter. And they were like, this isn't fair. Um, what was I saying? Oh, what my major was, right, yeah. So, yeah, I think that might have been one of the requirements of the communication major, but I had taken... It must There's no other reason I would have taken it. Yeah, an acting for non-majors class, which I think they accepted, like, as that credit. Ah, okay. Because I had, like, been... We've talked about this before. I've been trying to overcome my stage fright my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I, like, opted into taking that, thinking, like, that would help. It didn't. (laughs) Uh, well, I, the reason I brought that up is because one of the, the actually maybe the only assignment I can remember doing, because I was probably also blacked out for the entire class, because it's <laughs> only recently that I'm able to be on a stage and not be blacked out, mm. um, was to like memorize song lyrics, or not maybe we were allowed to read them, I don't know. We had to public speak song lyrics, and I chose... It had to be two songs, so I chose Bohemian Rhapsody. They had to be, like, related somehow. So I chose Bohemian Rhapsody, and I also chose, um, oh, what's it called? It's a Coheed and Cambria song that's also super long and super nonsense. <laughs> and I was like, there, that's they're the same. <laughs> so I'm going to get us started on Smashing Pumpkins. You're yes, gonna please do your smashing pumpkin one next, so you can finish us on smashing pumpkins. Okay. So I, I feel chose... like we skipped one for you. No, oh, oh, no, this is the I... right order for me. Okay. Yeah, you're right, and also my next song would be a smashing pumpkins song. So that that's works. what I assumed. Um. 
So, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness was the first album that I remember, like, buying on purpose. Like, I was like, I want that album. And then I proceeded to get extremely obsessed with it. Um, but now that I look back, um, I skipped, like, half the album every time. It was a double album. It was two CDs. <laughs> I did listen it, to both a lot of, them. of instrumental tracks, but it, it's super boring. A lot of it, yeah. like I tried to listen to the whole thing again pretty recently, and like it's very snoozy. Yeah, but not all of it. Like some of it's great. Zero is an amazing song, and if you're listening to this and you want to buy me a present, I've always wanted that Zero um, T-shirt, the Ringer shirt. Jordan, Jordan, what? I had one. What? Why don't you still have it? It's perfect. I don't. No, I don't know. It disappeared at some point over the years. Well, listeners, if you want to buy something nice for me and Kara. <laughs> but so I I think that like this choice like this was me being like, no, fuck pop music. Like I was but I was in fourth grade. Like I wasn't like purposefully <laughs> that I was doing that and I and I felt like I was doing something wrong. Like we're gonna talk about that even a little bit more when we get to my in two tracks. Um but I I f- because I didn't know anybody else who was listening to that, you know? Like, obviously my parents were cool with it. Like, my mom worked in the music industry. My mom got me tickets to see Smashing Pumpkins the same year. Like, I went to see Smashing Pumpkins by myself in fourth grade. Like, (laughs) yeah. And Veruca Salt opened for them. them. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was very cool. I mean, but, like, I got to do a lot of stuff like that because of my mom's job. Like, she would just get me tickets to stuff. Like, it was easy. So, I, like, I grew up going to concerts. But, like... This was, this actually, this wasn't the first concert that I went to, but it was very close. Like, the first one that I went to that I was like, I want to go to. This is for me, you know? And so my mom got me tickets to it. Um, But, yeah, so I saw them. It would have been, like, 1996, probably. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, it's like, do you remember the song Jelly Belly from that album? Yes, I do. So... I feel like, like, I also really liked that song, and, but I felt like, yeah, like, I had this feeling that, like, I was not supposed to be listening to this, you know, like, it was dark, or it (laughs) was angry, or it was, and, like, I definitely, like, didn't know why I was relating to that, and, like, didn't know what to make of it, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I had this secret that I couldn't talk to anybody about, you know, like, my girlfriends didn't listen to Smashing Pumpkins. (laughs) Um, I got into them in, like, maybe sixth grade or seventh grade. Um, I think the first CD that I had from them was Siamese Dream. So that was my uh, entree into being too obsessed with the Smashing Pumpkins when no one else around me basically knew who they were. I mean, beyond, like, Tonight, Tonight in 1979, which were, like, their two and, breakout and hits the, from uh, Melancholy. And uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings mm-hmm. was the other one. Which right. are all great songs, too. Great songs. I, spe- I mean, Tonight, Tonight is an amazing song, and that music video was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I think the guy that did the, like, scenic art for that is the same guy that did, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse and Beekman's World. <laughs> 
I watched a documentary on him recently. I was like, wow, this guy is responsible for so Whoa. much of the inside of my brain. That's cool. Yeah. What Do you remember his name? Nope. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't be able to tell you what the movie was called. Don't know what his name is. It's okay. I have the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um... But I remember in like seven, in my seventh grade music class, we had to like write a paper about a song and I wrote about today, which was on oh, Siamese Dream. Yeah. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the song that I put on this list is Geek USA. I didn't know which, this song before. To, I mean, maybe I had heard it before, but like this yeah. is not one that I listened to. Um, so this was one of my favorites, also off of Siamese Dream. I almost picked uh, a song, a lesser-known song called Frail and Bedazzled, which was off of their lesser-known album. God, I sound like such an asshole. Lesser-known album, Pisces Iscariot, which was like all B-sides and like outtakes. Um, and that's actually maybe like my favorite album of theirs. But um, recently when I went to that retreat that I was talking about in the last episode, um, every year we, you know, do like go around the, do the icebreaker thing where everyone says their name and their pronouns and like what they're interested in, why they're there. And then like a random question that like helps us get to know people better and kind of breaks the ice. Sometimes it's like, who's your favorite Muppet? Or I forget what it's been other times, but this year we were asking, what was your first email address? And I could not remember, but the first one that I could remember was Geek USA, I think 415 at AOL.com. That's great. Yeah, so that's why I put that on this list. What was your first email address? Mickey249 at AOL.com. That's cute. Yeah. But the thing is, is like that was another conforming thing where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick this cute, like Disney, like thing, which like really wasn't me at all. Yeah. Where, uh, where did the number come from? Because mm. I know that's not your birthday. <laughs> no, I think it was just random, actually. Interesting. I mean, that is more secure. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was eight. <laughs> uh, it was really funny because people were like going around. It was like their full name and their birth date. And I was just like, oh, no, this is that's not a very good email address. <laughs> um, I thought I would have more to say about the Smashing Pumpkins. Because I had just, like, such an intense obsession with them from, like, sixth grade to, like, maybe halfway through ninth grade. Well, like, what form did the obsession take? I just, I knew everything about them. Tell me a fact. Um, Tell me the best fact. Ooh. I don't know if I remember any of them. Billy Corgan's birthday is St. Patrick's Day. Um, He's from Joliet in Illinois, which is... Uh, outside of Chicago, where a big prison is. Uh, I believe he's William Corgan Jr. Um, Ooh, here's a fun fact that I learned recently. Okay. Uh, Darcy Carden of The Good Place and of just, you know, being president of all of our hearts. Um, She spells her name Mm D-apostrophe-A-R-C-Y, and she changed it to that from just regular spelled Darcy because of the basis for the Smashing Pumpkins. That's amazing. That's right. They had a female basis, which was very important at the time. Yes, and I was also very obsessed with her. (laughs) She was very cool. She was extremely cool, yeah. 
I used to read this web comic called Billy the Egomaniac, which was like a play on Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which was like another big comic at the time. Um, but it was just like a silly web comic about Billy Corgan being an asshole. Um, which I assume he is. Oh, oh, big time. Yeah, not, not a great dude. But he's very into cats. And there's this one photograph, let me see if I can find it, of him on the cover of Cat Fancy Magazine that I want like a full life-size print of. Cat Fancy Magazine, Billy Corgan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can Oh, only... excuse me. It's it's not actually cat fancy. It's Paws Chicago. I was gonna say that's the only one I can find. <laughs> I just sent it to you anyway. Um, yeah. It looks extremely photoshopped. <laughs> How many hands does he have, and where are they coming from? <laughs> He looks really happy, though, which is he not does. a usual face that he has. No, he's holding two cats. Two cats. <laughs> Such a shit Photoshop, though. What's going on? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is that why Siamese Dream is called Siamese Dream? Is it about cats? I hope so. Yeah, no, I just, I thought I would have, like, so much more to say about about them, but I just... I don't know. I guess it makes sense that I don't have anything to say because all I did was like sit in my room and listen to the music by myself. Well, and they're not. I mean, I feel like as far as bands go, they're pretty straightforward. Like, yeah, not a lot of drama. Uh, like, a lot of drama. But he, actually. only because like he's a dick, right? Like, yeah, more or less. Also, drugs. Like um, Jimmy Chamberlain, their uh, drummer, was a heroin addict for a long time, and see? he was like in there and out you of go. the band. Drama. <laughs> um, and there was like a lot of drama with Darcy. So, yeah. But but us also musically, like I don't feel I might be wrong, but I feel like I stopped listening to them because they mm-hmm. stopped being interesting. Like they stopped. Yeah. Well, they, they kept being snoozy, you know? <laughs> well, I actually, I like, so they did break up in like 2000, I want to say. But then they unbroke up, right? Which was the height of my obsession. Yeah. Um, well, they technically unbroke up, but really it was just like Billy Corgan being like, I own this intellectual property. Oh, and he property. gets to, you know, say that he's the Smashing Pumpkins. Right. Um, now, actually, they are back together with everyone except for Darcy. They have some guy on base. Um, but, like, Jimmy Chamberlain, James Iha, they're both back. Um, but, yeah, no, they were... They, I forget what year that was. Let me see. But also... I Hang on. Let me finish my thought before I trudge forward into the next um they came out with a new album uh, that was 2012 called Oceania and I was so excited I was like oh my god and then it was so bad um or I don't know if it was bad but it just it wasn't for me you know yeah um well you know you're not in sixth grade anymore either yeah yeah there's that but even after melancholy and the infinite sadness like i love adore which i think most people don't um 
and I really enjoyed Machina as well, which I think a lot of people didn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was like once I stopped being into them, I just like didn't really listen to them anymore. And like, even though historically their music like means a lot to me, I don't like the next couple of people or bands that I'm going to talk about are have like I never stopped. Like they never stopped being a big part of my life, whereas the Smashing Pumpkins were a big part of my life for a period of time and they stay there kind of, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and I think we're both also talking about a time or like for me too, like the time, the thing I'm going to talk about after this is when I realized that there were like more choices, you know? Yeah. Like I'm like, I bought this album in fourth grade and you just don't know all the choices that you have (laughs) then, you know? Well, who's your next person? Um... So the next song is Apple Shampoo by Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Um, I was obsessed with Blink-182. Like, probably the most obsessed I've ever been with anything in my entire life. Interesting. I've seen them so many times live, including as an adult. <laughs> um, the last time I saw them was probably three years ago after Tom had already left the band and Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio was playing with them. How was that? Actually, I mean, like, musically, it was good. Um, the, I mean, the thing about Mark and Tom's voices... Um, they were extremely ex- annoying. Uh, I mean, disagree. <laughs> Says the person who just was talking for way too long about the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, I mean, they're Billy not Corgan. worse than Billy Corgan's voice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's what Mark, it's all bad. Mark has a nice voice. Tom's voice, I can see where that's annoying sometimes. Yeah. But Mark has a... But the thing about that is that they they work together well and have they, they have extremely different voices. Speaking um, of working together, when we were working together, one day I was walking back to Penn Station and I think what was that TV station? Fusion had like a big... Mark used to host a show at Fusion. I walked walked past him on the sidewalk one day on the way to my train. Yeah. That, yeah, he hosted a show there for a while. Um, Mm. But so... Yeah, so like, even if you think their voices are annoying, it becomes musically at least interesting, if you can stand it, I guess, Um, because they have extremely different voices, but... Matt, I have to make sure I'm, I think it's Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio. I gotta make sure I'm putting the right person in the band now. Um, it's one of the guys from Alkaline Trio. Your overflow list, uh, it's interesting how many places that we overlap, but this is a place that we don't overlap even a little bit. Like, I never really got into the pop punk thing. Like, we overlap on ska, but not, I, I kind of moved on from that sound so I just I found that interesting where in New Jersey are you from Ringwood okay so we'll talk about this a little bit with my net I don't know what order I'm gonna do this in 
one of my other picks will like get into this a little bit more but for me it was like a very like there there was a really strong pop punk scene in new jersey yeah, there was and yeah. like that was a big thing for me yeah but so this, i did this predates that yeah i should i guess we did overlap in that respect in that i like went to a lot of shows where that music was happening but i never really like got into it like it never would like be like yes i'm going to listen to this it was because like i had friends and bands that were playing these shows and that sort of thing so i got obsessed with blink 182 it must have been when damn it came out it must have been when dude ranch came out which i think was 1998 uh, and mm-hmm. 97 yeah it's it was it is matt who's in the band now oh but so but so when i finished what i was saying before matt and mark hoppus have really similar voices like they both have kind of low melodic like Matt Skiba can be a little bit whinier his voice is a little bit lower but there's not enough contrast for it to be interesting the Mm, only reason it sounds interesting to me is because I also like Alkaline Trio and so like I you know like I have I like his voice it lives in my soul somewhere I've been listening to Alkaline Trio since I was 14 um but they, it's just not as interesting. And, you know, like, I don't care, you know, what I don't care about new pop punk either. So, like, if they play new songs, it's like, who cares? It's kind of weird to watch old men sing as if they're still in yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, and they've only escalated, like, slightly beyond that. Um, <laughs> but but I, I liked seeing them because, I mean, it's fun. And they played some, like, super old Blink songs, which is fun. Yeah. But also, like... Travis Barker is an incredible drummer. Like, yeah, I have always appreciated he is that. So yes. good, um, and so just to watch him is super fun. And also, they all have kids now, and their kids were just like on the stage the whole time. And then at the very end, Travis Barker's kid came out and like played drums with Mark, Cute. which is just like super cool. Like it's very cool to watch that to like have seen them so many times for so long, and then to like watch that is cool. Yeah, that um, is cool. I chose. So so we're going to get into with this and with another one of my picks some problematic lyrics um which like certainly like in in all pop punk really first of all because it's an extremely male dominated genre um and so i think that and uh, an extremely male dominated genre that places a heavy uh, onus on being as immature as you possibly can. Yes, especially with Blink-182. Like, yeah. extremely that. Um, and, like... And also, this was, I feel like, at the height of, like, jackass and all that stuff, too. I think right? this, or, was like, before, just this was before yeah. that, but yeah, it's the same era, for sure. Um, yeah, and so... I don't know what that did to us, like, those of us who were, you know, teenage or, like, pre-teenage girls at the time, like, looking up to this and, like, loving this. And I couldn't even tell you why. I think I loved it because it was so just, like, fuck off, you know? It was just, like, so stupid. It's just stupid, though. Like, Green Day is anti-authority. Blink-182 is just stupid. Like, (laughs) and a little bit sad sometimes, you know? Like, there's heart in a lot of their songs, like, they do sing about relationships, and they sing about suicide, and they say, you know, like, there's not no emotions there, there's just, like, also a lot of dumb shit that's just, like, so 
whatever. They're not trying to be serious, you know? And I think that was a big part of it for me. Uh, and I think I identified with that. But I was obsessed with them. Oh, but so I chose I chose the song Apple Shampoo because it is it is a little bit more serious. It's about a relationship that's not working. Um, and I actually find it to be one of their more... I don't want to say like respectful towards women, but they're not, it's not gross. It's not silly. It's not, you know, <laughs> um, it's for real a little bit. Um, so that's yeah. why I chose that one. Did you ever use Apple shampoo? Sure did. I, I Was believe. Was it because of the song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there, okay. So there was a, do you remember the show on MTV? where you could, like, make a video, and if you were, like, they decided you were a big enough fan, you could, like, meet... I don't remember what the show was called. You could, like, meet your favorite artist or whatever, though. Do you remember that show? Sounds vaguely familiar. Maybe it was called Fanatic. I feel like it was called Fanatic. That sounds vaguely familiar. So I totally made a Fanatic video for Blink-182 when I was, like, in (sighs) sixth or seventh grade. Um, I have also gotten on an airplane to see Blink-182. Wow. Because, again, because my mom's job, it was like, my mom loves Green Day and I love Blink-182. So when I was probably like 15 or 16, they were touring together. And Mm. like, for some reason, like, I don't know why she was like, we're going to go to this show. It's like, it was in like upstate New York. We also went to Niagara Falls that day. Um, but then we, yeah, we went to see Green Day and Blink-182. It was a good concert. Um, I have been, she has also, I've been, do you remember the Waterloo concert venue in Jersey? Where was it? I don't think, think that's what it was called. It was just like a big ass field where they would do concerts. Oh no, I don't, I don't ever remember uh, seeing music outside except for the one time my sophomore maybe junior year of high school um where me and my two friends went and saw fish in camden and i've never been so high in my life (laughs) and i uh i slept through the whole thing because i like laid down in the grass and it was over which venue was it at um the like big the big like theater there with that has like half outdoor half indoor yeah i've seen um Oh my gosh, which bands was it? Alice in Chains and uh, nice. and the Chris Cornell band, but without Chris Cornell, yeah. or was he still alive? Oh dang! Uh, Soundgarden. Sound oh my gosh, okay. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry, everyone. So... I couldn't remember the word Soundgarden. I saw them in the pouring rain and the outside oh. part of that venue. <laughs> and they were touring together. They were touring together, like not that. I mean, it was probably like I don't know eight or nine years ago it wasn't that long ago oh okay so he was still alive he, i was yeah. gonna say that would be really grim if they were touring together and both of their no 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 that's dead. what i that's the thought i had as soon as i said it out loud i was like no no no. they definitely weren't both dead oh my god i remember the day that like we learned that lane staley had died me and jenna who's been on this show and her boyfriend at the time just like hung out in her room very sad listening to alice in chains <laughs> Just very, just devastated. I didn't, I didn't know Alice in Chains until, I mean, I did because my dad listened to them, but hmm. I don't think, I don't think I had awareness until like long after he died. Yeah. 
No, I I loved them so much. Yeah, uh, I think I don't think they made it onto my overflow list, but they almost did. There's a lot of like songs that I listen to in the car with my dad that are on the overflow list. Like that would be same. one of them. Yeah. It's funny though, I was talking to my sister and like we both have like very specific memories of all the songs we listened to in my dad's car. And I was like, what did we listen to in mom's car? And she's like, I have no idea. And I was like, I can't <laughs> think of a single thing. That's really funny. But okay, so I have also been pulled out of the front of a like okay because so there's like these big fields where it's just like a stage in a field and so because again because my mom's job we got to be the first ones there it was like me and two friends and I just remember like running through the field and being like I'm gonna stay right here until the show starts because I was literally just like up on the barrier and it was when they were touring with Phoenix TX and Bad Religion and my mom was standing on the stage and so she could see me and my friends we were right in the front and she made during bad religion she was like that's too scary and she made them come pull us out of the front and and this is like here's where like you see how weird my childhood was like she made us watch the rest of the show from the stage which extremely pissed me off of course that's so funny (laughs) but like because that's like i did that all the time like i wanted to just do the fun thing you know yeah like it was super cool and like not be next to your mother well yeah exactly um, but you know, looking back, it was pretty cool. Travis signed a shirt for me that day. It's cool. That was very cool. I had to lie to my parents every single time I went to a show. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although they didn't, I definitely, they knew we were going to see fish. I don't know what allowed that to transpire. <laughs> Cause I was like 16. Uh, uh, we had fun. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I, like Blink One Eighty Two is like my Smashing Pumpkins. Like I could just tell you everything about them. Um, I did stop listening to them eventually, in the like mid two thousands, probably. Um, I mean, Tom is like off his rocker now with the alien shit. Like the the Travis almost died in a plane crash and it's like super that. fucked up. Like that was fucked up. Yeah. But like, if you ever wanna like, so I've like here is my favorite like post-obsession revelation like so they switched drummers from between dude ranch and enema of the state they switched drummers um used to be a guy named scott he left the band he was just like a really normal punk rock drummer that album was good but like you can hear travis on enema of the state and like he's so good i know i said that already but i went back and listened to um a track called the fallen interlude which is on their i think it's their self-titled album yeah which came out in 2003 and it's like i think when that came out i didn't get it because it has no lyrics like it doesn't sound like a punk rock song not even pop punk not even really pop but you go back and you're like oh this is a travis song like they did this for travis and like he is just so good so go listen to the fallen interlude also like he drums on a bunch of other stuff like you can just listen to a bunch of travis barker stuff he is a very good drummer people don't appreciate drummers enough he also before this he was the drummer for the aquabats who i also love oh nice yeah but yeah that's it apple shampoo blink 182 that was like a real that was a real game changer for me and i feel like like what I said was Smashing Pumpkins, I felt like I was, like, alone in that. Like, I feel like Blink, I kind of 
own, mm. like probably mm-hmm. a little bit too much. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't embarrassed about it and I didn't feel alone in it. Yeah. Well, you were the perfect age to be like surrounded by other people who were into them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as opposed to being in fourth grade and being like, but, have you heard of this but band, it's, the Smashing Pumpkins? But it Pumpkins? still wasn't any other girls who were into mm. Blink-182. I mean, that, that's not totally true. Like, definitely I went to see them with girlfriends, but I feel like when I think about who I was, like, talking about, that it was dudes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from Apple Shampoo to Fiona Apple, that's my next... Oh, nice transition. <laughs> thank you, thank you. We're professional podcasters. Uh, <laughs> um, I Fiona Apple is... I probably listened... I don't know. It's between her and Jenny Lewis and Rilo Kiley is the next thing on this list. Like the two human beings I've probably listened to their music more than anyone else like combined. Um, and uh, so I had a hard time choosing a single track because it's everything she's ever written. Um, and, but then also like, her record when the pawn dot 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 which actually is a 90 word title that i can recite from memory um and i will do so if you if you ask but that uh record was really important to me in high school and then when i was like 19 um extraordinary machine came out which uh, was so important to me i got a tattoo of it so uh i i wound up putting that song on this list because it had leaked like an earlier version of it had leaked previously, so I was still 18 when I heard it for the first time. Cool, you didn't break the rules. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and also honorable honorable mention, her MTV VMA speech. Yeah, that was like, uh, but I uh, but I feel like that was another thing where I was just like a little bit too young to realize mm-hmm. how cool that was. Yeah, and to realize like yeah. that's who I should be following, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and only like, and at the time I was like, "Yeah, this world is bullshit." And now, in retrospect, I'm like, "This world is bullshit." <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I think it was actually like really important to, to me to hear that so young because that really like stuck with me and <laughs> shaped a lot of my worldview, which is kind of funny. I so I didn't. Uh, you were like cooler than me because I didn't get into Fiona and Rilo Kylie until later. Like Rilo Kylie for me was probably when I was like twenty, twenty one, and then, um, Fiona Apple was like around the same time, but definitely after. And uh, but I, I remember. Do you remember John Bernaducci? Uh, the name sounds vaguely familiar. We we went to college with him, and he okay. Um, lived, like, up past Ramapo and, like, bumblefuck nowhere, like, northern New Jersey. Um, Oh, oh, so where I'm from. Yeah, in, like, West Milford or something. Yeah, that's the town next to Ringwood. And I remember one day driving up to hang out with him, and it was, like, a long drive from wherever I was coming from. And it was, like, when I had first discovered this song, extraordinary machine and i listened mm. to it on repeat for the entire drive and that's how i know all the words that's great that makes me very happy but i because well like the song is it's a perfect song it's a perfect song like 
I've I've moved on since then. I have mm-hmm. other Fiona favorites now. I actually like very slowly, like once a year, have a new favorite Fiona Apple song. I love that. Um, See the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Um. But I I think also like, I want to know what they are. <laughs> you, they're all uh, right. Uh, okay. Wait. Later. Um. So. But I think she like had this persona of like being super angry. But, mm-hmm. like, Extraordinary Machine is not an angry song. Nope. At all. But it's, like, a, all, at the same time, it's, like, super empowering and, like, awesome. And, like, was was this before or after the album that got, like, taken hostage by the record label? That was Extraordinary Machine. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. And so, like, for this song to be on this album, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It makes sense. It makes sense. And it's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the entirety of that record is a lot less angry than her previous work, and I think that's just like an age thing. She's like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. That like uh, title and when the pawn. Yeah, they came out when she was a teenager, and then it took six years before she was able to put out another record. So it's uh, definitely a more mature sound. and yeah, I mean, I like ask me tomorrow what my favorite Fiona Apple record or song is, and it will be different because like it's just like entirely based on my mood. Although recently, I've really been into her last one when the Idler Wheel something something something. I don't um, think although I've apparently to that not one. as into it because I don't actually know the full title, <laughs> and it's not ninety words. <laughs> there's t- there's time. What's your current favorite Fiona Apple song? Timps. Nice. Yeah, Parentheses. It's, the sick and the head song. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny though. Like I do the same thing that I did with Extraordinary Machine when like, and it just happens by chance. Like it'll come on shuffle or whatever. And I'll be like, Ooh, Ooh, you know what Fiona? I like that song. And then I'll do the same thing. I'll listen to it on repeat until I'm sure I know all the words and then like be obsessed with it for like a few more months and then I'll move on. Yeah. That's cute. I like it. I read an article about her recently where I think she's thinking about touring again. So it was kind of about that, but it was also kind of about her her anxieties and her like desire to kind of not really be in the spotlight and mm-hmm. also that she just like sponsors a refugee family or like more than one refugee. She just like gave a bunch of oh. money, but it was like it was like she was like, "Oh, all the royalties from this song, like basically forever, are just gonna go to this cause," which was That's like amazing, pretty cool. Oh, that makes me so happy. I um I saw her. I guess it would have been the Extraordinary Machine tour at that same venue in Camden. Didn't fall asleep that time though. Really enjoyed it. She's incredible. Like she's so little. Yeah. She's like, the tiniest human and so unbelievably powerful like it's incredible like the the just i don't know where she gets the energy to like put out that much intensity performing but she was like rolling around on the ground and like beating the piano (laughs) it was just really one of my favorite uh live experiences i've ever had um do you like ani defranco yeah uh, I got pretty into her in high school. Uh, didn't stay into her, but sure, yeah, I I love 
I love hearing an Ani song every once in a while. So I don't, like very specifically, like <laughs> do not ever want to listen to her. I haven't Why? tried that hard, to be fair, but I, I, I just don't like her voice. I don't like it. I don't like the way it okay. makes me feel. I could be wrong. I'm I might open make you a that. playlist. Okay. But I like... You know what, though? I feel that way about Tori Amos, and I should love Tori Amos, and I d- just don't. And I just... I When I listen to her music, I'm just like, I'm stressed out. This is stressing me out. I I had a friend start an argument with me a few years ago. He was like, I do not understand how you could like Fiona Apple so much and not like Ani DeFranco. They are the same. And they are not the same. So I had to think really hard about why they're not the same. And he's wrong, but I see his point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're adjacent to each yeah. other, I think. Uh, but they're wildly different in tone, in uh, subject matter. In instrumentation, it's just like, oh, there's two women who are mad and make music, you know. I, I mean, yeah, and I, I think maybe he was doing that a little bit. I don't think he was super well versed in either one. Hmm. Okay, is it my turn again? I guess so. Okay, so I had to th- not. I didn't have to think really hard about this one, but I did have to think really hard about how I was going to explain this one. Um, cause I'm going to have to say a lot of bad words now. Yes. Um, okay. Hateful. <laughs> okay. Violent words. Yes. So, so brace yourself. Are you familiar with mindless self-indulgence? Uh, as a former teen goth. Yes. However, I never really got into them, and I tried to listen to this song, and was just like, nothing. I know. Nope, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's but it wasn't even. It's not even because of the title or the words that are in it. It's just the the noise. It's not good music. It's a lot it's of noise. Not good music. I will say that I still love it. Like I will still listen to it if I'm in a certain mood. But like you couldn't hand me if I didn't know this music, and you were like, hey. Do you want to listen yeah. to this? I would probably be like, no, thanks. No, thank um, you. Although some of their later stuff got slightly less noisy, like still very noisy, but like perhaps a little bit more like sounds like Melodic. a real song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but so I bought, so I chose the song. I'm going to have to say so many bad words right now. I don't like it. Ugh, sorry. Um, I chose the song Faggot by Mindless Self-Indulgence, which is from an album called Frankenstein Girls May May Seem Strangely Sexy, which just turned 20 years old. Wow. (laughs) Um, Like last week. So that album came out when I was 14. I probably bought it when I was 14 or 15. And... um, it was right when Napster was a thing, mm. and I feel like that's how I first started listening to them, but I have no idea, like, where I would have heard of them before. Um, like, I don't, I don't know who introduced me to them, it, uh, but, so I bought this album, and it was, like it again, it was, like, that feeling of, like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, it felt icky. It felt wrong. It felt like I was like, I don't belong in whatever scene this is. Like, but like, 
I was super obsessed with that album and like the album I then bought like the album that they'd put out before that which is called Tight um and then a few after then then I kind of got over it eventually um and but I've seen them live more than I've seen any other band they might be tied with Hanson actually wow um because I know that you've seen Hanson so many times I've seen MSI like in the double digits like I also I'm shocked that there wasn't a Hanson song on this list um they just weren't as like I've been listening to them since I was in like fourth grade or whatever but they just didn't there's nothing about Hanson that transformed me mm. or the way that I saw him. it's just pop music mm-hmm. and I've always liked it and I still like it I like singing it. I like seeing it live. I think I'm kind of over seeing it live by now, actually. <laughs> um, but there, but there is like I wouldn't. I don't know that I have anything to talk about there. You know, I just like it, and it's fun. I don't know. Um, but yeah, MSI I've seen at least twelve times. The last time I saw them was in two thousand and. 12 or 13 which is probably the last time they toured they're not like officially broken up but they're definitely don't really play as a band anymore um the and one of the things i really like i'm on one of their dvds actually if you look really hard they they so they did three nights at uh i want to say irving plaza and they made it. They did three nights in a row, and they made a DVD out of it. Um, and if you look hard, me and my friends are definitely on it because we were definitely at all three nights. Um, but there was so we would go to MSI shows. Like I had two friends specifically that I would always go with, and we were just like so normal there, like so normal, right? Like I mean, I had colored hair, I guess, but the way we dressed, like, and I've. I I feel like I kind of liked that, but I also feel like I kind of felt accepted there. It was like it was the kind of place where like it was for freaks, you know, like it was for weirdos. Yeah. Like nobody was yeah. there to judge anybody ever. And like I feel like that's Have you considered becoming a juggalo? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um <laughs> Um I mean, it's, but so, but MSI Live also is, like, extremely performative, like, um, like, costumes, and it's silly, and it's gross, and it's, like, it's also a mixed gender band, there's, it was always two women and two men, um, even when, so they had an original bassist who left, who was a woman, and they replaced her with another woman, um, and so, and so we, you know, it, it was incredibly inclusive in that way because we weren't just going to see, like, so their main guy is a guy named Jimmy Uren, um, James Uringer, um, but he went by Jimmy Uren and, you know, he was gross, but fun. <laughs> um, you know, he would wear like tutus and makeup and glitter and like, would like come out in the audience and like take his dick out and like kiss girls and like but like it never felt it wasn't like pushy it, you know it wasn't you know it wasn't threatening no not at all and it's because there were also two women there you know on the stage like and we looked up to them they were amazing um and so but so like they also like 
so like if you were at an MSI show and you listened to MSI and you knew the band and whatever, like you hear this language, like extremely homophobic language, like extremely sexist, but also at times really like gender bendy language. Um, they use the N word, which like that's the one that like I'm like I cannot argue that that was okay. Um, but they also stopped eventually. Like I I something I got curious about um because I stopped listening to them at a certain point when they were still putting out new music and I was like I wonder if they kept doing that and they didn't like it's really only on their earlier songs um which is not an excuse but they did stop um and I assume that when they perform live now like they they go over that word they don't say it even if they originally put it in a song um but like the vibes at their shows were like again like it's kind of the same as blink 182 it's just like isn't this fucking stupid you know <laughs> it's all like sarcastic like tongue-in-cheek and like we all knew that and so like cosmic joke and and it was also you know the early 2000s like there just wasn't the same awareness around how indeed there was not well there was no awareness around like how hurtful words were <laughs> you know for for a lot of people and so um for a lot of people still isn't yeah um but so like but because like so what I what I I tried to research like um because like it's not like the words that like you know I'm a cis like mostly straight female and like the things that they were saying like weren't necessarily super hurtful to me or like the things that they would say even if it was sarcastic against women it's like it wasn't super out of line with anything else that anyone was saying so but so like I I tried to research to be like what did you know what did queer people actually think about this or feel about this at their shows and I found like a really nice blog by someone on tumblr um who was gay and like a huge obsessive msi fan and he basically felt what i just said which is that like like he felt so accepted like everybody knew the band was like super on board with being gay or being like whatever but like the vibes were that like hey we're all disgusting we all hate ourselves like all of this is gross let's just all be gross together basically um and like this 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 dude who wrote this blog was like this band kept me from killing myself like so i thought that was interesting an interesting way to look at it and like honestly Mm -hmm. like that rings true even for myself like I am still filled with self-hatred and, like, thinking that I'm gross and, like, thinking that I'm not deserving and, like, all these negative things. And to be in a room where, like, those are the vibes of all the people that you're around for everyone to just be like, fuck it, whatever, you know? Um, Yeah, that can be very powerful. And I think it was, and I assume that, like, that was the attraction to this band for a lot of us who are super into them yeah and also seems to be uh, quite the attraction for the insane clown posse as well is it why do you keep telling me that no (laughs) no i'm serious i believe you no i guess i could see that yeah they're like we're all weird and this is the place that where we where we can 
gather together and be weird together. You know, we're out, we're misfits and outcasts everywhere else, but we can, you know, gather together as juggalos and, you know, get, get down with your weird self. And I think that's incredible. Like community is incredibly powerful, you know, and especially powerful for people who aren't able to find it elsewhere. Yeah. Always feel like outcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those were like, like I would see an MSI show tomorrow if they were <laughs> on tour, you know, like they, those were, I mean, it was just fun. It was fun. Yeah. And it's also, it was dancey and I don't know. I liked it. I had a good time every that's time. Good. That's what matters. So I don't know. That's my, that's my defense of them. But why did you pick that song? Um, it was actually really hard to choose. Um, I, I, I think my favorite song is actually on a different album, but I felt really strongly about choosing a song from that album because I bought it first and became mm-hmm. obsessed with it first. And mm-hmm. I just think that like, if, if people talk about MSI, like that is the song, like everybody knows that song if they listen to MSI, you know? Right. Um, that and the Method Man cover. <laughs> of which song? Bring the Pain. Oh, nice. It's a great cover. I mean, obviously I'm biased because I super like MSI. <laughs> it's probably not a good song if you're just a regular person who doesn't listen to them ever. Um, but, and it's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll be done there. But they were a big, big deal for me. Cool. Uh, my next thing, uh, I had a hard time choosing a song for this as well because the next band on my list is Rilo Kylie, which like I said I've been a huge fan of them for a very long time and of Jenny Lewis and have like followed her through her solo career as well and have spent thousands of hours listening to her voice which is weird I guess um, but I chose the song The Good That Won't Come Out which is off of uh, their record called The Execution of All Things, which is a kind of a concept album about climate change um, from like 2002. Uh, it's really good. Um, also, their album More Adventurous, I almost picked something off of that because that came out in 2004, 2005, which was my senior year of high school. It was very important to me. Um, but I got into Rilo Kylie because... The summer between my junior and senior year, I went and did like a pre-college art program at Pratt Institute, and everyone there was way cooler than me. Uh, so I got it. I got it turned on to a lot of good music that summer, and uh, Ray Luke Kylie was one of those things, and is the most enduring um, since then. But the good that won't come out is about being. Uh, full of ickiness and goodness that won't come out of you i Which... know some rilo kylie and i've heard this song but this is not one that i come back to a lot what what which ones do you come back to a lot the execution of all things mm-hmm. um the one where she's singing about how it's um 15 miles to the promised land <laughs> Mm-hmm. With arms out, that one, yep. Um, the I love Money Maker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a few others, but like, I ah uh, yeah, I couldn't. I don't know. I didn't latch on to Rilo Kylie hard. Yeah, I did. 
Very hard. I love them so much. Um, did you know that one of their band members, Blake, was on Hey Dude? I did. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny Lewis was also in stuff when she was younger. Yeah, she was in, um, oh, what's that movie with the Girl Scouts? Yeah. Troop Beverly I, Hills. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and a bunch, a bunch of other stuff. She was a child actress first. Uh, and then went on to be a indie rock star. Uh, I, this is another thing where I like should have a lot more to say, and I just don't. <laughs> Unless I just start speaking in Rilo Kylie lyrics. Which ones would you use right now? Mm, I don't know. I no. See, now I have to consult the internet. I don't know. Do you want to just sing? Which one? Do you want to sing one? <laughs> Well, no, I'm just Googling the lyrics to The Good That Won't Come Out, because there's, like, a few stanzas in that that always really stuck with me. Um, oh, I do this thing where I think I'm real sick, but I won't go to the doctor to find out about it, because they make you stay real still in a real small space, as they chart up your insides and put them all up and put them on display. They'd see all of it, all of me, all of it. Um, it turns out I was real sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... You know, uh, that was a sentiment that was very relevant to me. Uh, oh, you say I choose sadness that it never once had chosen me, and maybe you're right, but yeah. Is Jenny Lewis a solo artist now still? She is, although she usually, like, on her solo records is, like, collaborating with other people still. So her first quote-unquote solo record was uh, Rabbit Fur Coat, which was actually Jenny Lewis and the Watson Twins, um, which I think is my favorite of her solo records. Uh, It has like a really beautiful kind of gospel tone to it um, that I love a lot. And then she did Acid Tongue, which was just Jenny Lewis. And then she did um, a project called Jenny and Johnny, with I think a guy she was dating at the time, which was a great surf rock record called... I keep wanting to say, are we having fun yet? But that's not it. And that's, I'm just thinking of Party Down. I'm having fun now. Okay. That's pretty close. close. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then she did The Voyager, and she also has this other band called Nice as Fuck that I haven't really gotten that into, but they're good too. And did I miss one? Jenny Lewis. Oh yeah, she just came out with a record like this past year on the line, which was really good. She's so cute. Yeah, and I think, I think that was, like, part of my problem, honestly, with Rilo Kylie, Mm -hmm. is that she is so cute, and it's, like, the same reason why I hate Zoe Deschanel, and I know Mm -hmm. that that's the incorrect response, Mm -hmm. but I just... That's what we call internalized misogyny. I just, like, they're just, like, too adorable. Yeah. Well, I think that was that was true in Rilo Kylie. She was just like cute indie girl, um, but you know, like with every record, she kind of she doesn't do like a full Madonna, but um, her look has evolved over the years. She's a little more grown up now. I think. Well, yeah, and it's like I don't, I don't hate them for that. Like that's not fair. That's not actually what I mean. It's just that like. You know, men love them for that. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm never going to be that. So Mm -hmm. where does that leave me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I had bangs like hers, like, for most of college. Just like me and every other. Well, my hair was straight at the time. Straight, brown-haired 
or redheaded women. Ah, uh, the days of straightening your hair. LOL. Fuck that. <laughs> For real. Cannot believe I wasted so much time doing that. Okay, last one. My turn? Yep. So, the last song I chose is the Saves the Day song called Rock's Tonic Juice Magic, <laughs> which is, like, nonsense. Kind of has nothing to do with the song, <laughs> the title. Um, it's from their album called Through Being Cool, which um, was the first Saves the Day album that I bought. Um, Save the Day is a pop punk, but with slightly more melody. I'm sure there's a genre name for what they are besides pop punk, because it's like a little bit more than that. They're not just like three chord, you know. Power pop? Yeah, no. They're like maybe a little bit more emo. I don't know, but they're not, I don't know. So they're a Jersey band. Uh, So, did you ever go... Have we talked about Birch Hill and Chrome on the podcast before? I don't think so. Have you been? Did you go to Birch Hill and Chrome when you were young? Birch Hill. That sounds familiar, but I don't think so. Was it like a venue? Yeah, so they were two South Jersey venues. There were, there are like near where Starland Ballroom is now, Mm -hmm. but before Starland Ballroom was what it is now. Um... I believe they both closed because people got murdered there. <laughs> oh no, that sounds that sounds. <laughs> or like right. one of them closed for that reason, the other one closed because I don't know some bad shit happened. Whatever. I mean, they were gross, but like that's like where we lived between the ages of like you know fifteen and eighteen. Like we were there all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Saves the Day, Dashboard, New Found Glory, Catch-22, MSI, Midtown, Coheed, like, like those bands were just there all the time, and, like, yeah. that's what we did, and it was amazing. Um, and it, Did you ever go to shows at Skaters World in Wayne? No. Oh, that's where I went to most of mine. No. <laughs> it had been, or it was a, like, roller rink that, like... We went to as kids, and then as teenagers, like, went to shows there. That's fun. Yeah. And then it turned into an office depot. Boo. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, so we would go to these venues, see these bands. I mean, I I picked Saves the Day because, for me, like, I still listen to Saves the Day. Um, the album that came out after this one, um, called Stay What You Are, was, like, a pretty big leap musically for them um and I've always and so I still like legitimately like it not really just for nostalgia reasons um and lyrically I find them to be a lot more interesting a little bit more poetic I guess maybe that's where like the emo part comes in because they're like 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 a like a little bit body horror sometimes actually <laughs> like like a little bit gross um like some of the lyrics are like yeah i don't know but they like really went more in that direction on the next album but without the music sounding super dark like the music only got kind of like more melodic or more poppy um but so they are definitely like my favorite band 
from that time period. And I also, Mm -hmm. like, think they just did such a perfect job of capturing, I mean, first, what it was like to, like, live in suburban New Jersey, because they did live in suburban New Jersey, um, and to feel, like, kind of trapped and sad and just, like, so all those, like, teenage emotions but they lyrically I think dealt with it in a much more interesting way than some other bands mm-hmm. or artists um, and so they're my favorite one and I saw them maybe two years ago and it was not fun <laughs> It's not oh, no. fun. I went I went with my friend who also grew up in New Jersey, but we didn't meet each other until circus school. So we went to see them in Boston because they were on tour. And yeah, like Chris, the main the lead singer's voice just is not what it used to be. It's like gotten it sounds higher almost and it's just like it doesn't sound the same it doesn't sound good he wore sunglasses the whole time which he probably had a reason for but it just like felt it felt like the same as Blink 182 where it was just like all right you're like 40 years old now and you're still just gonna sing this and we're gonna do this I don't know like it felt weird mm-hmm. but yeah we have to go see Saves Day get real sweaty go to the White Castle parents would pick us up from the white castle after white castle oh the one like in english town is that no and this was like no i think it was in south amboy okay i don't know because one year i don't i guess my friend's band was playing warped warped tour and they had it like the english town racetrack so we like drove all the way down there and then there's like one road from the highway to the raceway and we were just stuck on that road for like three and a half that hours sounds right <laughs> yeah uh and after that day on our on our way home we stopped and we got like a there were three of us in my car <laughs> we got a crave case and like a bunch of bunch of other shit and it was just you know the, the best part of the entire day although i don't know how i drove home in a food coma <laughs> i did somehow yeah. Uh, to be young again and be able to eat White Castle. Mm, White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then that this was like when we were going to those venues, like I'm gonna sound like a snob again, but like it's still when my mom like worked in the industry and so like I would just walk in and be like, Hi, my name's on the list. Like it was just and they would like sometimes they would leave me a wristband, so it was the same thing. Like I would just go watch the show from like the side of the stage, like go back mm-hmm. and forth between like that and like the crowd, like gosh, it was just fun. Yeah, that sounds it was cool. just fun. That sounds way better than just being crammed in with everyone else with no <laughs> no option to escape. I don't else, I've otherwise. learned like now, like I don't mind being crammed in, but I have to be able to see because, like, I'm so short and it just, like, yeah. it's not fun. And I like to be pretty close, but also, like, the vibes of the people have to be correct. Like, yeah. It's just, like, yeah. so. Yeah. Well, if you're surrounded by, like, super aggro yeah. gross, yeah. then it feels, like, actively dangerous. Or, like, <laughs> whereas that time that we were at Warp Tour, I was in the pit for Paramore and it was, like, one of the most fun times I've ever had because it was just me and a bunch of 14 year old girls yeah like 
there's there's bands I go to see now and I go to see them just so I can dance but like I've been in crowds where like I couldn't dance the way I wanted to and like what's the mm -hmm. point then you know <laughs> mm -hmm. which is disappointing <laughs> um yeah so saves the day you know Chris Connolly. Oh my gosh, I was mad at myself because I couldn't remember his last name. I got it. His name's Chris Connolly. Um, well, I'm glad that we resolved that. And I, like, it's kind of embarrassing, but, like, I feel like that's, like, where, basically where my music stopped. <laughs> you know, it's so weird because I always thought it was so strange that my parents had this, like, massive record collection that just stopped at 1982. And I was like, did you just stop listening to music? Like, I don't understand. I, I, it was so hard for me to wrap my brain around the idea of ever possibly not wanting more new music. I mean, especially because so many of the bands that I liked and stuff had, like, broken up by the time I got into them. So, like, you know, I was always, like, kind of craving more new stuff. Um, and then it happened to me. I became an adult and didn't want to hear anything new. <laughs> Yeah, not to say that I haven't discovered anything new, but, like, you, we were making these playlists, and you were like, oh, no, this is going to really mess up, like, your Spotify, like, like, this, but yeah, cause this has I no chance of messing very... mine up. Oh, really? Like, this is what I, I still listen to. Uh, like, style of music that I, or not very different, but, like, I don't know, I just, my daily mixes were just, like, a perfect combination of everything that I'm into now which is largely thanks to spotify for like getting me into things that i like already liked like i i love saint vincent she's probably like my favorite now um and like i had previously listened to her and always really enjoyed her but thanks to spotify now i'm like you know it, like they're constantly putting her stuff on my mixes so i, I got like super extra into it um and then in the process, like, have also discovered other newer music, but I, by no means am I, you know, do I have my pulse on, my finger on the pulse of the mainstream at any given time. Yeah, same. I mean, every once in a while I'll find a Spotify playlist that's, like, so outside of what I think I like musically, and I'll just, like, fall in love with it. Like, there's a really great playlist that would just keep showing up on my main screen and it was just called alternative r&b and one day i was like mm. you know what fine and i love it i love that playlist <laughs> nice. um so yeah spotify helped for sure well i feel like we cannot get into our overflow we list we cannot because no. <laughs> we have mm. to go to bed my brand is a brand soup now. Um, but I will say that I was listening to your overflow list when I was driving in the car for just a few minutes before we started to record, and I was in love with it. It was perfect. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good mix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mine, I think mine doesn't have as much variation maybe as yours. Oh, mm -hmm. but there's a song in it that I really want you to hear that I'll make sure to point out. Okay. Um, do you want anyone to find you? Nope. Okay, cool. Um, you can find me on Instagram at JordoPC. We will be back in two weeks with something else musically related, but we don't know what yet. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.